0: And friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid South Wrestling television from September 17th, 1983. Broadcast from the Irish McNeil Boys Club, taped on September 14th, 1983. I am the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And of course, joining me as he does each and every week. The man you know as Mr. New Orleans, the menace to society, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm good, man. We um,
1: we're here, September seventeenth, nineteen eighty-three. We're gonna have Boyd Pierce and Jim Ross calling the action on this week's episode. I guess we're gonna see a little bit of a um, introduction to someone we haven't yet seen on this on this week's episode. But this is gonna be fun. A little bit slower than normal, I think, when we're talking about Mid-South wrestling. We're in we're in one of those valleys, I've mentioned this before on this show, where we hit some peaks and valleys, and I think we're in a bit of a valley until things start to pick back up. Not bad, but we'll get into that as we talk about this week's episode.
0: I think that's exactly right. This really is kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, a dark period for Mid-South wrestling, a slow period for Mid-South wrestling. It kind of started last TV taping where the Road Warriors and Buzz Sawyer, guys from Georgia TV were there, they're not even at this taping. So even though they were involved in big things that happened, like Ted DiBiase losing the Loser Leaves Town match, or the Junkyard Dog getting attacked after the match with Bundy, Buzz Sawyer's not here, the Road Warriors are not here, they were only involved in that one taping. And it is a different pace of Mid-South wrestling right now. This is... Around the period of time, of course, where Bill Watts would reach out to Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler and say, please come look at my TV. Tell me what I'm missing. Because it does feel like something is missing on these shows. And energy is missing. I will say, this taping is the first taping I could think of in a long time, where during the first hour of the taping here, you could see empty spots in the bleachers. you never see that in Mid-South Wrestling. There are empty spots in the bleachers during the first hour of the TV taping. So, we'll talk more about it as the show gets going. This is a rather slow period of time before things pick up, but you could certainly feel whatever it is that Bill Watts felt that said, you know what, I need some help here. Things are not going perfectly right now, and we'll talk more about that. Also, Jim Ross hosting the show with Boyd Pierce, still trying to get his footing in Mid-South Wrestling. You'll hear somewhat nervous at times, it seems, or not knowing exactly what to say, maybe afraid of not getting the Cowboys' approval. But Jim Ross here is not what he would be a year later, let alone several years later. But we'll talk more about that as the show gets going. Let's hear the show open. Boyd Pierce and Jim Ross.
2: Mid-South Wrestling. I hope you'll join us for the full 60 minutes. A lot of exciting action. You'll see the one-man gang returning to the Mid-South area. Also, tag team action. The Mid-South tag team title holders, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Magnum T.A. in the ring against the rugged duo of King Kong Bundy and the Missing Link. The Junkyard Dog takes on the outdoorsman from the Minnesota Northwoods, Crusher Darso. Hacksaw Butch Reed is here. You'll see all the action, and to tell you about it, One of the great commentators of all time, former wrestling referee, and now actually involved in the promotion of Mid-South Wrestling in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Jim Ross. Jim? boy, it's always great to be here, and and of course, matchmaker
3: Grizzly Smith has got another tremendous card. It's a great card with a great lineup of stars, and I think without further ado, Boyd, why don't we go to the ring with or Bowden and the introductions now.
2: We're ready. Let's go.
0: Well, there it is, the open of the show. Boyd Pierce calls Jim Ross one of the greatest wrestling commentators of all time. In
1: 1983, <laughs> that's that's um that's Bill Watts talking through Boyd, saying, get this guy over, say something positive about him. Uh, at least that's how I took it, because, I mean, we've seen Jim Ross now, not even in five episodes, I think, since, you know, he came in, uh, you know, he came in for an episode and then now he's been here for a few I just think that's Boyd just listening to watch, saying, hey, get this guy over. Make him sound like a million bucks. Do your thing. And that's what that was, in my opinion. Uh, what did you think, Brian?
0: I guess so. I don't know. I wonder sometimes if Boyd just says whatever he wants to say.
1: Well, Boyd's an older man, so that that too is, is a plausible explanation as well. Like, he's just like, oh, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time uh TV. Uh, I could just say it, and I'm sure uh, Bill will be fine with it.
0: Coming of that, we get our opening match. couple of debuts here. First of all, in the crowd, I think it's the same guy. This is the first time we see a kid wearing a mask in the crowd. Is that the Mr. X kid? That's what I think, but I'm not 100% positive. I, I thought you were going
1: to ask me about that. I, I think it is, but, you know, without knowing for sure, I don't really know because we, I, I don't know if, I've ever, if I ever saw his face, his actual face,
0: and if I did, I just don't
1: remember, but I think it is.
0: We'll find out more about that in the weeks ahead. Next week, he wears, like, a... Monster mask in the crowd. But the other debut here, the debut of Nikolai Volkov in Mid South Wrestling against Johnny Rich with Randy Pee Wee Anderson as the referee. Let's hear a little bit from Jim Ross about the debut of Nikolai Volkov.
3: Oh boy, this is a, a classic confrontation of speed and quickness in Johnny Rich against a man that is just a tremendous, a superhuman individual. And I'm referring to 313 pounds of Nikolai Volkov. Moscow rush. He's very very proud of his Russian heritage and he is an unbelievable physical specimen One of the strongest men in all of wrestling One of the strongest men in all of wrestling and one of the strongest men in the world Nikolai Volkov 600-pound bench press 600 pound one hand deadlift one hand deadlift 600 pounds and Johnny Rich Has been in the ring with some very very tough individuals and has always fared very well But he's here against a man that I, I'm, I'm terming as superhuman because he's going through Johnny Rich like I don't know what and, and uh, he's just uh, on a, a relentless, relentless individual, about 6 feet 5, 313 pounds, and Johnny Rich has been in there with the best of them. He's been in there with the top competition from coast to coast, but I've never seen Johnny Rich receive the punishment
2: as he's receiving now against this man, Nikolai Volkov. Well, Jim, it's like we said, all the top stars, these are truly, truly top stars, Johnny Rich and Nikolai Volkov, are coming to the Mid-South area because that's where the action is, because the greatest fans in the world, the greatest television viewers, and Grizzly Smith brings them right here on Mid-South Racing.
3: The man stands 6'5", 313 pounds. He's in tremendous physical condition. Unbelievably strong. Johnny Rich came off with a thundering right hand that didn't even phase the big Russian. A man I tried to communicate with earlier in the match and tried to get some information from him. Look at the strength. One hand, one hand holding Johnny Rich over 230 pounds, uh, just lift him up off the ground like a rag doll. The man is very arrogant. He's very proud of his Russian heritage. And of course, the, the wrestling fans and the whole world knows the situation with the Russian people now. And this man is very, very proud of that Russian heritage. He's the heavyweight champion of Russia. He has a man above his head now, Johnny Rich. A tremendous backbreaker, the backbreaker, and I've never seen anyone get up from the backbreaker from the Russian. And Nikolai Volkov, in short order,
2: takes care of Johnny Rich. And we have more exciting action coming up after we return on Mid-Southwesting Television Network.
0: Well, there it is, Nikolai Volkov defeating Johnny Rich with the -the over-the-head backbreaker. Brings him down onto his knee. What did you think about Jim Ross here? Was he tentative and nervous to you like he was to me?
1: A, a little bit. I also felt like he was trying to weave in Bill Watts' commentary into his own. Like, you know, it's obvious that Watts has given him some direction here on, on how he wants this show to go. And I feel, I really do feel like part of the nervousness and what you're feeling from JR throughout the commentary, I just think that's him trying to, you know, Watts was in his, not in it, literally in his ear as he's talking, but Watts is talking to him beforehand, kind of coaching him through what he wants to say. I mean, we've got a debut of Volkoff here, so Watts is just trying to, you know, he wants to make sure that JR conveys what Watts would convey if he were sitting in that chair. So I just feel like what you're hearing is JR trying to be himself while at the same time making sure he makes the points that, you know, the Cowboy wants him to make. Because, I mean, even to this day, if you hear Jim Jim Ross talk about Watts, it, he literally always says how, You know, I I just, I just taking direction from the cowboy. I just taking direction from the cowboy. I was, you know, I had to make sure the cowboy, you know, I did what he wanted to do. And I I called it like he wanted. Like I've heard him say that hundreds of times when I hear him talk, even modern day. So I just think kind of that's what you're getting here from Jim Ross.
0: Well, coming out of that, we go back to the desk where Jim Ross throws us to a clip from Houston, Texas. Let's hear this audio and then we'll talk about it on the other side.
3: Fans on September the 9th in Houston, Texas at the Sam Houston Coliseum it was a great night of Mid-South wrestling action But one of the highlights on that card was scheduled to be a match between the American Dream Dusty Rhodes and from Atlanta Larry Zbyszko. Larry Zbyszko has scouted the all the great talent in the Mid-South area and for some reason He failed to appear on that night on September the 9th in Houston Dusty Rhodes received a victory for that match a forfeited victory But on the scene came King Kong Bundy, and as you wrestling fans know, King Kong Bundy and Dusty Rhodes have long had a feud, and King Kong Bundy said, you're not going to get out of here that easily, and I challenge you to a match. Well, knowing the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, as we all do, he accepted that challenge, but little was he to know that Dusty Rhodes Rhodes had a plan set upon him by the big mountain King Kong Bundy as he had the one-man gang standing in the wings. It was an exciting match. It was narrated by Paul Bosch. And let's go to Houston, Texas now for the edited highlights of that match. So there
0: you can hear how nervous Jim Ross is. Yeah, again, I I
1: feel like he's just trying to communicate what Watts wants him to say. And he's he's going from one segment to another right there. And he's transitioning to... This is the other thing. I mean, I'm going to assume he watched that tape that he's throwing us to of this match with Dusty and Bundy. But then again, I don't know, like... I'm gonna assume he watched it, but he's just kind of just trying to throw that transition into that next segment of the show. And it's true. It's true too, Brian. If you're listening to him, you can kind of hear it. If you kind of watch him too, he was he was looking down a little bit, like right before he started talking, like he was trying to trying to make sure. Okay, I got to make sure I got all this right. I got to make sure I got all this right. So, I mean, I, I do think you hear nervousness in him, and again, I just believe it's because he's he's nervous, man. He's got a he's got a drill sergeant for a boss, and If you've ever been young and in the workforce and you've had one of those bosses like that, they can make you nervous, man. So, and he's on television. You're going to get that nervousness that's going to come across in the screen at you.
0: So we then get sent to a clip from Houston, Texas, Dusty Rhodes versus King Kong Bundy coming out of this appearance where Larry Zbysko wasn't there. Jim Ross said they've been feuding for a while. This is the first we've heard of a Dusty Rhodes, King Kong Bundy feud. This is September 9th, 1983. Johnny Martinez, the referee, Paul Bosch on commentary. And the big thing that happens here is the one-man gang we haven't seen in a long time attacks Dusty Rhodes, causing Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Duggan to make the save. Any thoughts or notes about this, Mike? I always like these Houston clips.
1: It's so gritty and just old-school dirtiness, and I say that in the most respectful and uh, complimentary way. these these shots from Houston are just always good on this show usually. And, you know, Bundy and and Dusty, they go at it. Dusty does his moves, you know, where he does the thing with the fist and then punches Bundy. Bundy takes some good bumps. You really can't take much from the actual match because it's just a couple of clips of the match. Like, they'll go real quickly through the edited highlights of it. And like you said, Dusty, Magnum, and Duggan uh, come to the ring because gang came out to put the boots to Dusty to help out Bundy. And then the faces uh, hit the ring. Houston crowd was definitely into it. That's my only thoughts. It's always fun when you see these clips from. I call it another area. I know uh, Watts had a had a you know a working relationship with Bosch, but it's always nice to see these edited highlights from Houston with the fans going nuts and going crazy. And they did go nuts when the baby faces hit the ring. It was it was something to see.
0: I believe the finish was Dusty Rhodes winning via disqualification. But coming out of that, we go back to the Irish McNeil Boys Club. The one-man gang with General Skandar Akbar versus Ron Ellis, Johnny Martinez, the referee. The one-man gang wins with his splash. Any thoughts or notes here? You know, it's just, just JR's putting
1: over the gang. He mentions that Akbar told him that he would see a much improved version of the gang. I mean, it's been over a year since we've seen the gang. So I guess, uh, you know, that's something to to watch as as we go along. Akbar putting over gang, but uh, that's all I'll say for now about Akbar and the one man gang in Mid South.
0: We then get a recap of last week Junkyard Dog versus King Kong Bundy, where Buzz Sawyer and the Missing Link help Bundy in attacking the dog. Coming out of that, we get a tag team match the Mid South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Hacksaw Duggan and Magnum TA, versus King Kong Bundy and Max, the Missing Link with General Skandar Akbar, Rick Ferreira, the referee. What did you think of this match, Mike? So at the
1: very beginning of it, the crowd is kind of comes alive when they announce that it's, you know, we've got the tag team champions here. Fine. I mean, you know, we, we, we've talked about the tag division in Mid-South over the last few episodes, so I won't rehash what we've talked about. But we haven't seen these two tag actually on TV a ton. So we got Magnum and Duggan in there, and the crowd is happy to see them for obvious reasons. Uh, tagging up and the crowd they come alive a little bit during this match but i wanted to ask you this because i kind of got this feeling as i watched this i thought the crowd to say you've got the mid-south tag champs with duggan and magnum ta in there i thought they were relatively quiet now i'm not going to sit there and tell you they were sitting on their hands and never clapping and cheering i'm just saying for the most part like outside of a couple of moves and spots I thought the crowd was quiet, especially in the finish. Did you kind of get the same sense, or
0: did I just misread this? It's a weird crowd, this taping. Like I said, there are gaps in the bleachers. You never see that. And I feel like this period of time, to an extent the last taping, this taping, which is this week and next week, and the next taping, this period of time reminds me a lot of Mid-South wrestling at the end of 1981 where you have star power, you have some feuds and some angles happening, but the show is a different feeling. It's a slower show. It doesn't really seem to be any urgency, any excitement. And I'm not saying this match didn't have its share of excitement and Hacksaw Duggan's, you know, next to the dog, the most over guy in the territory right now. But something was missing. And again, you know, when Bill Watts brought Jerry Jarrett in, He said, what am I missing? And famously, Jerry Jarrett said the blowjobs, and Bill Watts didn't understand what he meant. He meant teenage girls. What he really meant, if you get past the perversion, is younger fans who are into younger wrestlers. Every wrestler here is a giant guy. Bundy, The Link, Duggan, T.A., Nikolai Volkov just came in. Crusher Darso just came in. Jim Neidhart debuts on this show. Everyone is you know, there are different body types, but everyone's the same kind of guy. Everyone's a big, big guy. There's no one fast. There's no one young. There's no one filled with energy. And I think that's affecting the crowds here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a
1: lot of sense in that that the way you summarize it. And to, to the point you're making, I mean, T.A. may be the only quote-unquote heartthrob type guy. I mean, I'm not trying to call Duggan and some of the other baby faces ugly when I say that, but when you're talking about the heart throbs that we come to know and love, when we get into that period of, you know, where the blue are at per Jerry Jarrett, uh, you're going to see exactly what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I do. It does make sense. And 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 again, that might be why I felt this way about this particular match. Because again, I, I want to point out, Brian and I have had the discussion about tag teams and and we have not seen on outside of a couple of occasions ta and duggan on tv actually as tag champions so it's 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 very odd even though they've been in tag matches just not with each other uh much so your point makes a lot of sense and that's why i wanted to say what i said about this match uh being the crowd being quiet i mean like i was just watching it again this morning there's at one point you know magnum's trying to struggle to get out of a headlock and there's no chanting you know go magnum go or excitement the crowd they're just sitting there like yeah. All right. Just another day. It's September. School just started. Uh, we're just watching some wrestling. Like, I, I I just I don't know. That's that's the feeling I got. So uh, but your points in, in what I'm saying, they, I, I think they all line up to that period of time before things really pop off. And and again, that's why I said at the beginning of the show, that's why we're in. We're kind of in that valley right now. We're going to come back up. Don't worry, though, everybody.
0: Let's hear audio from the finish of this match.
2: Makes the tag, and
3: in comes Magnum T.A. Well, the momentum has swung back to the side of Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Duggan. Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Duggan. And all four men are in the ring. Magnum T.A., the legal man on his team. Drop kick, and out goes Max. Big, big backdrop, and Bundy goes down. Bundy goes down, and there's a spear. There is the spear. Max is on the top rope. Max is on the top rope. That's an automatic disqualification. The referee calling for the bell. An automatic disqualification. And the winners of the match by disqualification. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And King Kong Bundy going for another big splash. Magnum TA laying prone on the mat. Hacksaw Duggan fighting both men. Hacksaw Duggan fighting both men. The winners of the match are the Miss south Tag Team Champions by disqualification. And another spear by Duggan. Out goes Bundy. And out goes Mad Max hacksaw Duggan cleaning up the ring the winners of the match are the tag team champions by disqualification and we'll have to see just how badly we'll have to see
2: just how badly magnum ta is the another great match tremendous and we'll be back with more exciting action following this important message
0: well they hear at the finish of the match rick ferreira almost misses missing link coming off the top rope Duggan's pointing him out look 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 But again, to what you say, the crowd's not really reacting the way you think they would. I don't know if the missing link has really gotten over as a top heel since he's been there. I just don't think he has. What are your thoughts listening back to this? And obviously, you just watched this again.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, if you just, okay listen to that audio that you just played. I mean, there's obviously chaos going on in the ring, maybe not as chaotic as we've seen in the past and some other matches. But you've got a lot going on. You got Duggan, Magnum. I mean, I don't know if Link's soup over at this point. I I, based on the reaction, I'd say no. But you got Bundy in there. So I mean, we've got I'll say three guys who are definitely over with Bundy, Magnum, and Duggan. But yet in that finish where you've got four guys brawling and going at it, the bells ringing, it's going crazy. But you, I, I mean, to me, when you watch it and listen. The crowd is just like, all right, um, I guess. Am I supposed to care about this? Like, I really got the feeling of the crowd did not care. And that's saying something when it comes to a Mid-South crowd. If you really, really boil it down, that is saying a lot, that a Mid-South crowd is just kind of sitting there with all that going on. So it's just it was a weird feeling to it. Um, you're right. Ricky Farrar, did he caught him coming off for the DQ, but it it wasn't really uh, seamless. I guess is the crowd. I'm look uh, the word I'm looking for. Um, just a, I don't know, just a weird, weird tag match on on Mid South TV. You got the Mid South Tag Team Champions, and I, I just felt the crowd was just not really into it, like we've been discussing here.
0: We then get a recap of last week's loser leaves town match. Ted DiBiase versus Hacksaw Duggan, and again, this goes into what's going on, what's going wrong with Mid-South Wrestling here. It was a Loser Leaves Town match with almost no notice. The week before, Ted DiBiase challenged him. They had the match. DiBiase's gone from Mid-South Wrestling. When you look at Mid-South right now, Butch Reed's the North American champion. He's still relatively new, learning his way. DiBiase was the central cog in the heel side in Mid-South Wrestling. A lot of the energy on the heel side came directly from DiBiase and Scandar Akbar, but really DiBiase. DiBiase's just gone. Again, no notice. It was just all of a sudden, I challenge you next week to a loser leaves town match, and then DiBiase leaves town. So that's one of the things missing here in the middle of all this. There's no Ted DiBiase. What are your thoughts? Again, they just recap this match here, Mike. No Ted DiBiase.
1: We don't even know how long he's gone. Is it permanent? I mean, we know, I mean, now, but. At the time, we we aren't told really much details around his leaving of Mid South. I mean, we've seen guys quote unquote leave before. You know, Dog, although coming back as Stagger Lee, was gone for a a definite portion of time. We saw Mr. Olympia. You know, he was supposed to be gone for, you know, X amount of time. So, like, they clearly defined it. We're just told DiBiase's gone and. And, I mean, you got to feel like that's a loss because of who DiBiase's been in the promotion. Now, I do subscribe to the idea. I hear Cornette say this all the time, and I've heard others say it all the time. You know, how can I miss you if you never go away? So it's probably good that some that you go away a little bit. Um, but to the point you're making, it came out of nowhere. I mean, one week we're hit with, all right, next week DiBiase loses. he's He's leaving town. I was like, man, that was kind of built up on a wasn't really built up well. When when it was Dog, you know, we we went through that whole long thing for for weeks before he had that before they had that tag match where he ended up, you know, having to leave town even though he comes back as Lee as we all know. So I'm with you on this, man. It's it's very. But I mean, look very- at the,
0: look at the heel side. Look at the heel side right now. Without DiBiase, you have King Kong Bundy, who. Is not in the position he was in a few months earlier. It doesn't feel like. The right. Missing Link. Skandar Akbar's back with the one-man gang. We don't know how long the gang will be here. It turns out not too long. Right. <laughs> Nikolai Volkov is brought in. Technically, Boris Zerkov is still there. There'll be more to that in the weeks ahead. Crusher Darso has kind of been a heel the last few weeks. Jim Neidhart debuts on the show. And the North American champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed. It who's great. The heel side is not very strong here. You've,
1: you've got some good pieces, but it is a big loss when you talk about DiBiase being gone. And let's remember, too, Mr. Olympia had turned before leaving. So you're in a relatively, I'll call it short time period, only in a few months time, where now you've lost Olympia, who was a great baby face, turned heel, great heel. And he's gone. Plus, you've got and I know th- I know that was a while ago. I'm not trying to say this happened recently. He's gone. And now DiBiase is gone. So you're right. The cupboard you've got you've got good pieces, but you don't have you don't have the heavy hitters, I guess, on the heel side that you're looking for. You don't have the heavy hitter, You don't have the equivalents of like for us. You know, we think of a baby face side where I mean, I know dogs gaining weight, but you know what? I mean, he, he's still the dog at this point in 83. Um, we've got Jim Duggan, the hottest baby face in the territory. We've got Magnum TA. We've got much hotter baby faces or bigger baby faces than we do heels on the other side. So the cupboard is, is not quite bare, but you're right. The power, the star power over on the heel side is kind of lacking right now.
0: And it's why it stands out so much where when in a few months, Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express and Buddy Landell come in, it's like a breath of fresh air to that heel side But we'll get there when we get there. Our next match: the Junkyard Dog versus Crusher Darso, Randy Pee-Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear some opening thoughts from Jim Ross about Junkyard Dog versus Crusher Darso.
3: Well, a tremendous confrontation here of two big, big, strong athletes. And one thing about Crusher Darso, he's a very seems to be a very laid-back individual. But he's, a, he's also an undefeated individual, a man that's trying to build a reputation. He saw a Mid-South wrestling television program in Minnesota on the cable systems. He said he wanted to come here for the toughest competition in the world, which is right here. And he's going to get the, to go against the toughest competitor in the world. And that's a junkyard dog. A tremendous test of strength there. Both men attempting to apply the overhand wrist lock. Crusher Darceau, a man of tremendous strength, but don't forget that 600-pound bench press that the Junkyard Dog has had, a tremendous strength, and the Junkyard Dog bulked up at 298, Crusher Darceau at 303 pounds, and Darceau thought about it, he thought
2: about it, but the dog was ready. A perfect block there, he was waiting for him, Jim, that Junkyard Dog, I tell you, just an outstanding athlete. Well, the junkyard dog has
3: got a lot of tremendous attributes, but looking at this match in, in particular, the one thing that the, that the dog has is experience. He's got the experience over this man, but Darso has got the 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 youth, the enthusiasm, and the tremendous strength as he's, he's exhibited right now, as he has got the dog in a tremendous bear hug. A man that trained and a, became a recluse in the backwoods of Minnesota, a man that hunted his his food hunted and fished, a man that stayed away from the public for months at a time, getting himself ready, mentally and physically ready for a career in professional wrestling. The dog comes out of it with a, with a hip toss, the, jo- the dog with that hip lock, and the big man from Minnesota goes down comes right back up, though. This is the biggest match, undoubtedly, in the career of Crusher Darceau. He wants to go against the toughest, and the man goes, goes right on the dog and gets right back to the bear hug.
0: Well, there you hear it, Mike. Pressure D'Arso versus the Junkyard Dog. The fans are a little bit more into this, of course, because the dog is in there. What are your thoughts on this match?
1: I want to point out something that J.R. said. He he gave his thoughts on D'Arso and J.Y.D. and he claimed that J.Y.D. is up to, I think he said two ninety-eight, and I just found that funny because he positions it as like J.Y.D. kind of like bulking up, and you're gonna hear, I believe, Bill Watts say that. Next week or the week after, uh, kind of that similar language, which tells me the Jr. is just repeating what Watts is trying to uh, tell him. So Jr. is doing a lot of regurgitation of the words that are going to come from Watts or are coming from Watts through his ear. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, I thought it was interesting. Other than that, I thought you know it's interesting how Darso he hasn't been in for long now yet he's in a high-profile match right here. Uh, versus J.Y.D. for what it's worth. You know, J.Y.D. might be gaining weight, but he's still J.Y.D. in Mid-South, and his run in Mid-South is far from over in September of 1983. He's still got a couple of years to go or just under two years to go. So I just want to point that out. I mean, we, we, he's in a high-profile match with J.Y.D., and uh, honestly, it's a slow-paced match, but I don't know what you, what else you could expect for two guys like this. I thought Darso showed off some power, especially near the finish where he gut-wrenches J.Y.D. up for. That backbreaker maneuver that he, that he usually goes for, overhead backbreaker, it, it takes a lot to lift a man J.Y.D. size up the way he does, and he looks to do it with relative ease. So I was very impressed with Darso showing some power against J.Y.D. in this match.
0: Well, you brought up the finish. Let's go to the finish of this match right now.
3: Darceau comes out with that with that football maneuver, that tackle. Darceau with that tackle, and the dog went down. The dog went down from the 303-pound pressure of Crusher Darceau, and now Darceau is going for that reverse backbreaker. Darceau has got the dog, and if he locks it in, if he locks it in, that's all for the junkyard dog. The dog's going for the ropes. Here's the experience. The junkyard dog. Down goes Darceau. The experience of the junkyard dog and that great strength. The, Darceau... the junkyard dog with that forearm. And that howl will send chills up your spine. The dog has got him up with that big thump. And there's the thump, 298 pounds of the junkyard dog. And Crusher Darso has just had his first defeat on wrestling.
2: Crusher Darso has just been defeated for the first time. And, and the b- hand raised of the junkyard dog by referee Wee Anderson, a tremendous victory. And we have a lot of action c- continuing after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network.
0: See, I think Boyd cut off Jim Ross because he was getting too excited that he was not really knowing what to say. It's his first loss in wrestling. What did he say? On wrestling. His first loss yeah. on wrestling.
1: I didn't catch it the first time, but now when I heard it back right there, I think you're right, Brian.
0: Let's talk about this finish here, because I think there was a mistake. Crusher Darso lifts up the Junkyard Dog in that reverse backbreaker, standing up, and then he kind of backs up slowly to the ropes. So it's not too obvious, but you get to figure out he gets closer to the ropes. I think the dog was supposed to push off the ropes with his feet, causing him to come out of the backbreaker and set up the finish. But he doesn't do that. He just hangs there. And then Darso, I guess, thinking that the dog was supposed to do it, starts flipping him over. It's the closest you'll ever see of the junkyard dog doing a Hurricane Rana. Yeah. And he turns him over. But do you see what I'm saying? The junkyard dog, I think, was supposed to push off the ropes, and he never did. It was a weird spot. I don't know what was supposed
1: to happen there, but I do uh, I do believe that there was some type of error because you're right, that's the closest. And, and look, it's not a Rana, but it's the closest JYD ever came to probably doing one the way he slides down Darso's uh, torso and then uh, Darso flips over on JYD and then JYD hits him with a big uh, forearm and then the thump. There was something went wrong in the finish. As we say that, darso showed some power getting jyd up just into that maneuver because that's a big man to gut wrench up above your head like that i mean you're not just doing that easily uh and i felt like darso really showed power there, pulling that off
0: coming out of that match we get our next match the north american champion hacksaw butch reed versus george weingroff johnny martinez the referee hacksaw reed wins with a shoulder block tackle I had no other notes. What about you, Mike? The last time we saw Reed and Weingroff
1: wrestle, it was a week or two before Reed won the North American title. And if you remember, they had like a 10 to 12 minute match, which that's long because you've only got an hour of TV uh, in the territory. So it's a one hour show. Take out the commercials and everything, man. You're down to 43, 44 minutes and all that stuff. So, you know, there was that, that 10 minute match is taking up, you know, 25% of your episode. Anyway, Uh, I got in trouble. I said, man, when you know what's coming, you look at this match and you go, God, Weingroff went 10 to 12 minutes with Reed. Well, in this particular match, Weingroff went two and a half minutes with Reed, and it was over, and Reed pretty much dominated to the point you were making. Quick match.
0: We then get our next match, a debut in Mid-South Wrestling. Jim the Anvil Neidhart versus Art Cruz, Rick Ferreira, the referee, We'll talk about this on the other side, but let's hear some thoughts from Jim Ross about the newcomer, Jim Nighthart
2: This is Jim Neidhart, who is a human anvil, and Jim, I know you'll be able to tell him something about that.
3: Well, Nighthart, 290 pounds, a drop kick right from the drop, right from the start, Jim Nighthart, Reno, Nevada, 290 pounds, and those anvil-like hammers of his, and he's getting right after the vastly improved Art Cruz, who has who has been, have to be on the defensive, fighting for his life here from the outset. Neidhart, a graduate of UCLA, high school All-American, both football and, and track, and he's in there with Art Cruz, and Cruz is not going to back up from him. I can guarantee you that. Neidhart, professional football player of the Dallas Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders, and Nighthart is a is a tough, tough individual. Art Cruz with that right hand right to the midsection. It's, and Neidhart with a big roundhouse right hand, and another one. Neidhart, a world-class shot putter. The number one shot putter in the world in his age group when he was 18 years of age. A man that holds the world record in the anvil throw. The anvil throw, and our cruise with that big forearm. cruise with that forearm. Neidhart backdrops him right over the top. Neidhart tremendously strong. 575 pound bench press. He's got him up. What a maneuver. That reverse reverse backbreaker, Neidhart has got him with that reverse maneuver. A very unorthodox maneuver. And right here, and it didn't take him too long, At 290, the victor, Jim Neidhart.
2: And we still have time left. We still have action coming up. So stay with us. We'll return right after this message.
0: Well, there it is, the debut of Jim the Anvil Neidhart in Mid-South Wrestling. He wins with a fallaway slam, a Samoan drop, whatever you want to call it. Art Cruz has kind of regressed a little bit in the ring. I've noticed it this week. We'll talk more about it next week. But what are your thoughts about this match and the debut of Jim Neidhart, Mike? I've got,
1: not that I never appreciated Jim Neidhart back in the day, but the more I watch his early stuff from Mid-South and just watch him overall, I really appreciate him that much more. He he really was a top-notch athlete when you think about his uh, track and field career. And just overall, he he was an athlete. And he truly Like, you watch him in this first match, uh, not our crews, notwithstanding here and how Cruz performs, but Neidhart is impressive. He's, he look, everything he does looks vicious and powerful, almost, uh, you know, I don't want to compare him to Buzz Sawyer, because, you know, we talked about how Buzz Sawyer looked uh, when he came in, like, man, how aggressive he was, but, like, Neidhart is kind of in that same mold, man, he's, he's very aggressive, everything he does looks really really good and powerful like it looks like it definitely would hurt he rears back real good when he's punching you or clubbing you I mean that hand comes back far and it moves fast at the at his opponent just clotheslines when he's throwing them I mean he swings that arm there's no oh damn this is fake that type stuff so everything I thought that he did to me just looked really good and he was very 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 believable so I've got, um, not that I never appreciated him back in the day, but I've got more of an appreciation for Jim the Anvil Neidhart these days.
0: I agree with you. He's really impressive here. He's moving quick. He's very aggressive. Good stuff here. I look forward to seeing more from Jim Neidhart in the weeks ahead. But coming out of that, we get our final match on this week's show. Tom Stanton versus Jerry Caldwell. Randy Wee Anderson, the referee. Tom Stanton has ultimate dream on the back of his trunks. Did you have any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike?
1: Uh, same note. Tom Stanton has ultimate dream written on his trunks. Uh, what do, you, do you know anything about this guy? I'm curious. I don't know much about him, but I figured I'd ask you. You're a you're a savant, man. So anything?
0: Yeah, he wrestled. I think he was in Memphis for a little bit, but he. I guess would predominantly be known for wrestling in Canada. I I believe he's from Canada. I could be wrong, but I think he's from Canada. Um, He's an interesting look. I mean, it's, it's, it's a look that probably fits in a little bit more a few years earlier than where things are going in the eighties at this point.
1: He almost looks like a, God, I this is going to sound nuts, like a gussied up Ron Jeremy. I mean, he's got the Oh, I wouldn't say the, that.
0: I wouldn't say
1: that. <laughs> but he's like, I don't know. You know, uh, he also looks like um a little like not, I mean, not the, the tights are going to throw you off, but he almost looked a little bit like Tom Ernesto uh, Jr., like just from far away with the hair and the mustache. Uh, I guess would be the best way to describe him, Brian. Real quick, too. I was looking up something because I was I was curious and I I wanted to do this before the show, but I forgot. Jim Neidhart. You know, we talk about how how he looks right there. So he was only like 27, I think, if my calculate calculate 28 years old in that debut match, and he looks every bit of it. He looks really good. And I, I wanted to point that out before we moved on, but yeah, I don't have much from Stanton and Jerry Caldwell.
0: Yeah, Stanton looks all right in the ring. He wins with a side slam. And with that, we wrap up another week of Mid-South Wrestling Television. Of course, we want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and Booking the Territory?
1: Please come give Booking the Territory a listen at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. So wherever you listen to this show, we're there as well. It is myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner. We take a weekly look as we review and recap NWA Saturday Night on TBS from mid to late 80s. We are into 1989 now. We've done as far back as 85, so you can go back and listen to all of the old episodes too. Uh, And it is a lot of fun. We're in the midst of the Terry Funk and Ric Flair feud in 1989, so it's a lot of fun. We're the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast because the jokes are terrible, the language is strong. But we have fun nonetheless, so please come give us a listen there. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mike504Saints. I oftentimes like to post clips of the shows that Brian and I discuss here as much as I can. And I'd appreciate if you gave me a follow Uh That's it, Brian. A fun episode, like we talked earlier, a slow episode. But we we will things will pick up. This is Mid-South during this time period. Don't worry, it does get better.
0: The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcanian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nacarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the Great Brian Last. Tally-ho!